My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Elio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week we will introduce a topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. Who knows, we might even solve the case. I am Ali Siegel. I'm Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, shoutouts, merch discounts, and more. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. What do you guys think about this Friday doing a live call-in show? I like it. I'm down. Let me check my calendar. Oh, it's empty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm i'm open ready and willing we don't have a sponsor but oh, whatever whatever people we do we get one on the books and all of a sudden you know the infrared blanket people come running uh friday is a holiday but it is i'm still will i'm still willing to what holiday do it. Is it eid al adha it's the Festival of Sacrifice, the second of two Islamic holidays celebrated worldwide each year and considered the holier of the two. So we'll have a special uh, celebration on our live on our live Zoom as well. So what do you think the time should be that we should record this? What do you think is a good time for people to 
to listen live. Don't want to be too late for East Coast, so we should do... I would say either three or five PST. Let's do five. Okay. And then so that's eight o'clock on the East Coast, and then... And then anyone central is just kind of like right there too. Yeah, you're right in the middle. Who, know, who knows what even time it is central? I think it's. I don't two know hours anyone who later. lives in the central time zone. To be honest, who I have that? some clients who live in central, and I always get confused when I'm booking them, <laughs> and I always book it wrong. I have Central's, no idea what time central is. Like our number one. That's like Chicago people, who's like our number one listenership. They're all is central. it. <laughs> I thought yeah. Chicago was Eastern. Oh my God, no! Chicago's no. not Eastern. Michigan's Eastern. Chicago's mm-hmm. always an hour ahead. <laughs> well, crazy. I guess I know a lot of people who live in Chicago. Do you know that there are, there's so many more time zones than you think there are? No, there's only three. No, there's not, Melissa. You're. I <laughs> thought there was only three, and then I started working with clients, and there's like Hold Mountain on. Time, Central Time, Pacific Eastern. Time. Eastern time. No, there's more than that. Island. There's island time. I'm always on island time, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on. I have to Google. Hold on. How many? What's Alaska? Maria, how many time zones do you think there are in America? Yes. Don't forget Hawaii. Yeah, that's what. Okay, I'm gonna say there's five. Okay. Melissa, how many do you think there are? I'm gonna go crazy and say there's seven because I don't know where. Who knows? There's nine. No, there's not. <laughs> you guys wait. <laughs> yes. Ellie's face. It's it's like she just told us she was pregnant. Is, does this include Puerto Rico? Because I think okay, Puerto wait, Rico's one, in a two, three, four, five. Six. Wait, Guam. Are you counting Guam, the American I don't territory? Know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that I hope that people listening to this podcast for the first time are like, what? Is this a time zone podcast? Okay. Okay, so there's Eastern, there's Central, there's Mountain, there's Pacific, there's Hawaiian, there's Alaskan, there's also American Samoan, right? And there's also there's also Guam. Oh, Guam's included, finally. Yes, you know, for once. Well, uh... and Atlantic time zone, which is Puerto Rico. Okay, I'm glad we got that settled <laughs> for all you geography buffs out there. I don't even know. I don't even. Oh, right. We were planning our Zoom. So we have to take all those into account. (laughs) I Uh, forgot how we even got into that. And so what's going on in Guam? Like, what do they do over there? I think there's like a military base over there. And is it? I mean, it looks beautiful. It looks very beautiful. Wow. It's it's right. I'm sure. Okay, if any listeners in Guam out there... Wow, that does that beach. Six things you don't know about Guam. It's got its own time zone. (laughs) I don't know anything about Guam, to be honest. (laughs) It's one of the furthest places Americans can go without leaving the U.S. You don't need a passport to go to Guam. Well, they can't can't vote for the president. That's weird. Well, Puerto Rico can't either. They're just a territory. Oh, interesting. I don't think they pay taxes. It's tax free. It's tax free. Yeah, they don't pay taxes. That's cool. They don't. Yeah. Let's go. We should go to Guam. Well, if there's any listeners in in Guam, but then also we should pick another place because um because you guys got a response from when you shouted out to to Lund. Yeah. Sweden. We got a listener from Lund. Yeah. So what's another place that that's there? Yeah, Johanna is from Lund. What about in uh, Turkey? 
We've got people listening in Istanbul and Ankara. Ooh. Incredible. So if you're from Istanbul or Ankara, please give us a give us a shout. Those are two of our favorite places that and we've then never also, been. Also, only because there's only nine listeners there, and maybe they dropped off or whatever. But we've got some Russian listeners in Omsk. Ooh, da? listening in Omsk. I'm Russian. You are Russian to finish this episode. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> but I am actually Russian. My lineage <sighs> is Russian. I'm a Russian Jew, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Um, okay, so there's that. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, uh, let us know and we'll shout you out. We would love to get to a thousand reviews. We're at like 700 or something. So let's boost it. No, we're only at like 500. And- well, that's only in America, but but we could that's- have... <laughs> We could have That's other true. countries. Yeah, Where we're only one-star reviews there, probably. What an international show we're having. No, you today. guys have some more money from your supporters. Oh, my God. Tell us about it. This is from Aram Fingal. He gave or she gave $5. Great show. Wow. Have a nice day. P.S. You should have Lydia back on. And I agree with that. Oh, we too. should. Our patrons are the only ones who know who Lydia is. Yep. They know the true identity. Uh, Mr. Reed gave $10 and he said a trio of beautiful women, Allie, and then a drooly face. Oh. Like that, you know, that drooly emoji where the guy yes. and his eyes are kind of closed and then he's got drool coming down. So that's it. Yes. Like that. And then who perfectly capture the ominous hilarity that is conspiracy theories <laughs> <laughs> and the paranormal. Quite possibly my favorite podcast. Keep go- getting into it. Hawk honk. And then yes. Tierney gave $3 and left no message. That's fine. Mysterious. I love it. So if love you guys want to to give a little something to your favorite podcast, um, uh, just click the supporter button when uh, you're listening to the podcast, right? Is that how you do it? Yeah, that's the link. Link in the show notes. Link in bio. <laughs> also, Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. Six two six six oh four six two six two. And as usual, we've been getting so many voicemails that like we can't even fill a mailbag episode. We've been doing double mail. We've been doing double bag episodes. <laughs> we've been double bagging it. And also, there's there's a new rivalry in our voicemails. There's drama. Yeah, we got drama in the in the voicemails. So there's a beef. Yeah, there's a beef. So between Jeb and uh, between Jeb. And who's the other guy? We don't know. They didn't give a name. Oh, yeah. The yeah, unknown two old men fighting yeah. in the voicemails. It's so, great. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, Melissa, who are our patrons? We have Johanna from Lund, Trice, Petia, Janiel, Nicole, and Nydia. These are all great they, names, great, unique yeah, names. Yeah, they're really gorgeous. Um, so thank you guys for joining the party. I'm super excited for our episode today. I watched a documentary on it, and it was super boring. So this episode is <laughs> going to be even more exciting. Uh, Melissa, what are we talking about today? Did you watch the Investigation Discovery episode about it? That was way more interesting. No, I didn't. I only watched the weird German documentary, and then I, I like zoned out. Well, that's good. We have two different perspectives on the story. Yeah. Okay, so on November 22nd, 1995, filmmaker Alan Ross disappeared without a trace. Alan was part of a religious cult called the Samaritan Foundation, which was led by his wife, Linda Green. 
Linda believed that vampires could gain access to her by talking on the phone. True. That negative energy could be washed away with soy milk. Also true. And that barcodes were evil. I get it. What's the deal with this cult and what happened to Alan Ross? Let's Let's get get into into it. it. Okay, so who is this Alan Ross guy? So Alan was a filmmaker, and he worked full-time as an editor on Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. He was also a twin. Okay, time out for a second. <laughs> oh, there's already a timeout. One sentence in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear I met triplets, or I didn't meet all three of them, but I... So I, I'm doing some renovations on a place I'm going to be living, and the woman who's doing the renovations is a triplet. Whoa. And they were all born on Halloween. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. And I asked her, I was like, is it spooky being a triplet? Like, can you feel each other's like physical and emotional feelings? Like, are you psychic? And she's like, she said, no. She said, it's not that spooky. Well, then she's not a triplet because okay. that doesn't, that's not. I it doesn't hold up, right? Right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and she's a liar, up. apparently. So yeah. yeah so That's I don't what know. Is what yeah. it seems like. You better be careful. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Okay. So Alan Ross, he helped found the Artist Cooperative and Film Society for Chicago filmmakers, which was help, which was helping struggling artists find resources to complete their projects. So he was a cool guy, cool filmmaker in Chicago. In 1986, he began to dabble in the occult with his girlfriend, Flanagan McKenzie. Which is an insane name. It's an insane name. So by early 1992, their relationship was waning, but they remained friends. And then McKenzie heard about a lady from Guthrie, Oklahoma, who was conducting seminars at a hotel near the O'Hare Airport that involved the use of pendulums for spiritual awareness. Oh, right. I should get... Do you want oh, yeah, me to get my pendulum so I can show you? Yes. And so then all of a sudden, Alan abandoned his life in Chicago and he moved to Oklahoma because he was super interested in this stuff. And then, so who was Linda Green? Linda Green was the leader of a group of New Age practitioners known as the Samaritans. And she was a registered nurse... 
And she was once featured in a 1980s news story about hospice innovations where she worked. She was also an actress, a poet, and an author who wrote books about her New Age philosophies. So Alan's girlfriend, Mackenzie, attended Linda's seminar in Chicago and then followed her to Guthrie, Oklahoma for more. So she would come back to Alan and tell him all about this woman. She was super interested in everything. So then Alan started going with Mackenzie on these trips to Oklahoma. And then he started going to Oklahoma alone. Like he would just go by himself, even without his girlfriend. And in one seminar that Alan attended, Linda Green paired the men and women into couples and married them. Just like random cult members. So then Alan returned to Chicago with a surprising announcement. He had married a woman after having known her for only three days. Another cult member. And then, this is a side note, at a later meeting, Linda told her students that she was dying and that in order to save her life, Alan Ross and his new wife must have sex on top of her. And then afterward, Linda announced that the efforts had not been in vain and that she had fully recovered. Ew, freakazoid. Yeah, freakazoid. Uh, But then Linda decided that she wanted Alan all for herself. And so she ended up marrying Alan. She had just divorced her fifth husband, Dennis Green, only a few months prior. And she's like, I love this Alan guy. Oh, my God. You should be my husband. So then prior to their divorce of Dennis and Linda, Dennis helped Linda establish this cult called Samaritan Foundation so she could teach classes and hold retreats where she explained her new age beliefs to her students. Alan, when he moved to Oklahoma, his family and friends were shocked. According to the friends, Alan had become obsessed with spirituality, and he was like fully engulfed in this Samaritan foundation. So this cult, their beliefs. So they studied, uh, on top of spirituality, they studied topics like alien abductions and demonic possessions. Our podcast. (laughs) Exactly. It's called Web Crawlers. So then Linda also told her believers not to talk on the telephone because vampires can gain access to them. Okay. And she taught her followers how to release pent-up energy, negative energy, and release it correctly. One of the ways was sending your negative energy into soy milk and then pouring it down the drain. Okay. So you're like... Energy, go into this bottle of soy milk and then you dump it down the drain, which makes perfect sense to me. I don't know. And then she also believed that barcodes harbored negative energy. Well, that's true. So the cult's literature has references to vampires and even the Antichrist. And then Linda also claimed in her writings that she was the Christ because she, quote unquote, willingly gave her soul so that all of yours could survive. Interesting. Okay. Sounds cool. So then the cult moved their headquarters to a former prison. First, it was a prison. Then it shut down and became a Nazarene church until the early 1970s. And then in 1991, Linda moved the cult into it. Cool place to live. (laughs) Right. And then the cult gets exposed. In 1993, Nellie George was living in Massachusetts with her husband, Jonathan George, and their two children, Layla and Rami. Layla is seven and Rami is four. Uh, Nila, Nellie, sorry, Nellie 
was there's so like Malini, Nelly, N- there's like Rami. too many names that are weird. Rami. Okay. Nelly was receiving literature from the Samaritan Foundation and got very interested. She persuaded her husband to let her and her two kids attend a 10 day seminar in Oklahoma that she described as a chance of a lifetime. After she arrived, her husband stopped hearing from her. The only phone number he had was one connected to Linda Green's answering machine. When calls were returned, they were brief and abrupt. He became increasingly alarmed when, after 10 days, his family did not return. The next month, Nellie filed for separation and full custody. Jonathan appeared and was awarded temporary custody of his children. Thank God. He left his job doing carpentry work for the TV show, The Old House. This old this house. This old house. And <laughs> that I old house. That and traveled to Guthrie to get his children. An emergency child custody hearing was held. It was two days of testimony. And because of this hearing, the Samaritan, Foundings teach- Samaritan Foundation's teachings were exposed to the public. Yes, they were. Yeah. Jonathan testified to his wife's bizarre behavior, which began 18 months earlier when she started receiving correspondence from the Samaritan Foundation. She was swinging a pendulum over things, including her children, to remove evil. To remove the evil from barcodes on product labels, groceries were placed on circular drawings. He found the same drawings underneath the children's pillows. This sounds oh. like the movie like Hereditary or yeah, something. Yeah, right? To be fair, though, I use I use pendulums. Yeah, you do. And this is this is the thing also that like my my great grandpa used because I think at one point didn't the the Samaritans move and they move by using like a dowsing rod. Yeah, because it's like for like decision making, right? It's kind of like a magic eight ball in a way, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but it's just funny that I use that also. Like here, I'll show you how it works. <laughs> Yeah, like it points to different things or like wherever it swings to. So this is, uh, I don't have a crystal pendulum because I've been at my parents. I haven't been able to buy anything. So I just use this necklace. Oh. Can you hear me when I'm like this or is this yes. so bad? I'll narrate okay. what you're doing. So Allie's got a necklace on her hands. Okay, so you go like this. You just hold it and you say, show me yes. And she's got her palm down. Just, I need to narrate it because it's audio. She's got one palm to the floor and then she's holding the necklace above the palm as though it's a swing. It's like dangling. It's like dangling. Yeah, so I say, show me yes and it swings in a certain direction. But we're not, we're to believe that you're not swinging that in a circle. Yes, it's going clockwise. Show me yes. But I see your hand moving, Allie. No, it's not moving. Well, I mean, you can't hold your hand completely still. It's going to move a little. I see it. I yes. see your hand moving. <laughs> I don't like you guys. I, Wait, try so it again. Then, do okay, it again. So do it again and just be still. I'm trying to be still. Show me yes. That's still. There it is. There we are. Show me yes. So yes me means big, so yes means side to side. Is that what it means? Clockwise. Show me big yes. What does big yes mean? <laughs> what does big yes mean? It's moving bigger for you so you could see it more. So, I'm just keep in mind I'm in a very awkward position. So who's doing this though? Show, like what energy is that? Explain this. My spirit guides. Now show me no. Okay, it's just hitting Allie in the face. It's just <laughs> Allie's hitting herself. <laughs> You're such a bitch. Well, now I am moving it. Hold on. Show me no. 
Okay, so it's kind of so I just have questions course. about this, Ali. I mean, I mean this fully here. So it's with the pendulum thing, and maybe with the dousing rods too. It's taking the energy from what's around you and showing you the. Just explain, explain how this is what I believe it to be. So I'm communicating with my spirit guides. Okay. So I say through this. So I say, show me yes, and yes is counterclockwise. Got it. And then I say, show me no, and no, yes is clockwise. And I say, show me no, and then the no is counterclockwise. So then I can ask this yes or no questions, and it will answer for me by spinning. And what kind of questions can you ask it? Do you feel that it can answer? So when I'm doing my Reiki work, I'll be like, is the root chakra clear? And then it will say yes or no. Oh, got it, got it, got it. But for you, I could be like, um, careful. Uh oh! Uh oh! <laughs> Is Maria the producer of the Web Crawlers podcast? That's a no. How do How do you get it to say? So how do you get it to say it barely? It's saying yes. Oh, it started turning into a small yes. All right. Well, tell that tell tell your spirit guide that I've got a lot on my plate, please. <laughs> God. And then I could say. A no would be, uh, is Marie, does Maria have dark black hair in this lifetime? Is it, what does it say? No? It's, yeah, it's or is it saying I should try, I should get my colors done? Who is your spirit guide? Who do you see it as? Do you see it as a thing, a person or a animal or a guy Fieri? Guy Fieri. <laughs> So that's a pendulum. You okay. can believe it or you cannot, but Allie, I use these it. are legit, just real questions I'm asking because I don't, I didn't know how I'm that not, I'm not on the defense. I listen. Not everyone has the magic for throwing, and you can use anything to be a pendulum as long as like as it's kind anything of anything that swings, mm. anything that swings, and that you feel Allie, like a personal communication gross. with. Oh, <laughs> ew. <laughs> <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Anyways, okay. Um, so in the literature mailed by the Samaritan Foundation, Linda, Linda made reference to spiritual waste and how it can be disposed. Her remedy was to propel such waste into celebrities because many movie stars were already zombies. <laughs> oh my God, this is like what um, what those what? people, Chad and Linda Daybell thought. Oh, they thought celebrities are. They thought Oprah oh, was they a zombie. Did. Yeah. Um, who feel nothing from the procedure since they don't have souls. <laughs> she then gave examples of various celebrities and their zombie type. Roseanne Arquette is a Ray Octave zombie. <laughs> what does that even mean? No, Madonna is a Nephilim zombie. What is that? I've heard of that word before. Hebrew. Son of God, daughters of men, scholars, fallen. Um, Bill Clinton is an animal mutant zombie, sure. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is a three virtue zombie, and Saddam Hussein is a five virtue zombie. Okay. Do they really mean like undead, or do they mean, or the dead, or whatever a zombie is, or do they just mean it as like, I don't even know how to answer I don't know. They don't feel, they don't feel any, you can, you can, they're saying that you can put your weight, spiritual waste into these celebrities because they don't feel anything because they're zombies. Ooh, this is interesting. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, Rosanna Arquette's a zombie. I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they mean like the undead or like, I'm weird. She then suggested that if no celebrities are available, one could direct stray obsessive energy into soy milk and then pour it down the drain. (laughs) So when you can't find a celeb, use soy milk. The court ruled in favor of Jonathan George, who took his children back to Massachusetts. And the custody hearing marked the beginning of the end for the Samaritan Foundation. State agencies began paying attention to this cult. By the end of the year, the Department of Human Services had condemned the Samaritan cult house. When investigations went deeper into the property, police learned that more than 30 people were Ugh. living inside this old jail and later it was completely shut down. Ew. By 1994, Samaritan Foundation members dis- decreased from 350 worldwide to four. Linda Green, her friend Julia Roberts, <laughs> Julia Williams, her fourth husband Dennis Green, and her fifth husband filmmaker Alan Ross. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, what happened next? So they used a dowsing rod and a pendulum to decide where to move next, and then it pointed to Cheyenne, Wyoming. So then the three of the four remaining members moved to Cheyenne. So Julia Williams, Linda Green, and Alan Ross. So soon after their move, Alan was working with his pal Christian Bauer on their seventh film, Old Man River, about the Mississippi River. Old Sounds Man riveting. River. <laughs> so then Linda showed up 
while they were filming, just suddenly and without any notice, it was just like, hey, I just came to see what you guys are working on. And the first time she did this was in St. Louis. And Christian Bauer, his filmmaker friend, said, one morning, Genevieve, which is an alias that Linda used, she was sitting there having breakfast with Alan, and she was not what I had expected her to be. She was very demanding. She was very controlling. She was not caring. She was not the kind of woman I had imagined her to be when I saw her picture. So she showed up, and this guy Christian was like, uh, who is your weird-ass wife, Alan? Yeah, like hard pass on Genevieve yeah. slash, slash, slash Linda. Linda. And then in the fall of 1995, as the two wrapped up their filming in New Orleans... Linda again suddenly appeared and Alan seemed to be embarrassed of her because she became a distraction to the film. On the investigation discovery um, episode, she would like jump in front of the cameras and like dance around and like, was she that blonde woman? Yes. Oh yeah. She was weird. She was weird. Yeah. So on the last day of shooting, Linda and Alan got into an argument Linda was upset that Alan was spending too much time on his work. So they were like fighting. Uh And then when the shoot was finally done, they arranged a farewell dinner for Christian and Alan. And Alan said he would be there, but he never showed up. And so Christian saw Alan the next morning and like said goodbyes. But that was the last time he ever saw him alive. Uh Oh, so then Alan goes missing. Yikes. So in late November 1995, Alan's family stopped hearing from him. And in December, police received a phone call from Linda's fourth husband, Dennis Green, who said that Linda had killed Alan and buried him in the crawl space under their house with Julia Williams' help. Shit. But then Linda started sending faxes to the police claiming that her ex-husband Dennis was the one who killed Alan. Oh my God, faxes. Sending faxes to the police like, Dennis (laughs) killed Alan, it wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) So meanwhile... Alan's family hired private investigators and even consulted a couple of psychics. Mm. And then both psychics on separate occasions claimed that Alan was alive in Texas. And the first said he had a mental breakdown and the second said he had a trauma or that he'd been hit in the head. And both stated that Alan did not want to be found. And so before disappearing, Alan left a series of old post office boxes and phone numbers that are no longer in service, and a street address that didn't exist. What do you mean? He left the... He had a post office box. Yeah. With, like, phone numbers to, that didn't exist, and he had, like, addresses written down that didn't exist. Oh, got it. Okay, in the P.O. box. Yeah, like, fake, those like fake stuff. Okay, got it. And he had also discussed with his friends the concept of disappearing and how easy it would be to create a new identity. Jeez, Maria says that shit all the I time. I know. Be like, you know, it's just so easy just to, like, disappear sometimes. <laughs> no, it's not easy. So then Christian Bauer, his filmmaker friend, recalled a conversation when he mentioned to Alan that in America, people leave trails that can be tracked. And Alan replied, well, what you do is build up a new persona by obtaining credit cards and new phone cards. It's all possible. You create this second or third identity and then you lose your first one. So he had talked uh, okay, about psycho. he had talked about like creating a new identity in the past. Weird. And so he's missing. So then they film a really boring documentary about it. 
His friends and family weren't having any luck locating him, and the police weren't helping. What else is new? So they decided to make a documentary. It's just, okay, here's my thing with the documentary. They, like, don't, or maybe I just, like, stopped watching it because I was bored, but they don't cover any of the cool spooky stuff. Um, uh, Unfortunately, it is not a good documentary. It's really not interesting. It's not well made. Like, it's just, it's so incredibly boring. Like, talk to me about, like, zombies and yeah. witchcraft, not, like, not like what Alan wore all the time. Yeah. Like, it was stupid. Yeah. And it's, like, kind of one of those things where it's more about Christian than it is about uh, Alan, I feel like. You know yeah. what I mean? The family and the filmmaker had no idea what the Samaritan cult was and that Alan was married to its leader, Linda slash Genevieve. They tried to contact Linda for months, but she was missing. They think she was traveling with Julia, But then months later, Linda actually contacted them. She changed her story about her ex, Dennis, killing uh, him. She said that Dennis buried him. And when they asked who killed him, she said, the specialists. Once they go too far into the mind control, shit, they terminated him. That's all I'm allowed to say. It's top secret. The filmmakers learned that shortly after her visit with Dennis in December of 1995, when she claimed that she had done something to Alan, her family had committed her to a mental institution. The only thing consistent about Linda's story is that Alan was buried in the basement of their former home in Wyoming. She warned the filmmakers to stay away from the whole story because the government and the CIA was involved. Uh-huh. After her interview, Linda disappeared again. The filmmakers returned to Cheyenne and shared with police what little they had learned. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough evidence to make an arrest. Brad begged the authorities to make one more search of the house. A detective agreed, but said that if nothing was found, the investigation would go cold. Dun, dun, dun. But thankfully, Alan's body was found. Officers inspected the crawl space in the basement once again, and this time they noticed something sticking out from the cement floor. It was the heel of a Converse shoe. Investigators chipped the cement away to reveal a grave. After four years and thousands of miles, the search for Alan ended. His body had never left the house at all. It was found exactly where both Dennis and Linda Green had told the police that it was buried. Damn. An autopsy determined that Alan received two shots, one in the head with a nine millimeter, and he was castrated. Jesus. The psychics did say that he had had head trauma. I'm wiping out the psychics. They also said he was alive. Um, So uh, they knew how he was killed, but there was no evidence to indicate who pulled the trigger. The Cheyenne police found Linda and again questioned her, but this time about murder. She had changed her story yet again, returning to her original charge that Dennis was the killer. Linda, Linda, Linda. Linda seemed too insane to be a reliable witness, and there was no way to confirm Dennis's account. So authorities were left without enough evidence for an arrest warrant. That seems crazy. 
it takes so much, I feel like, to actually arrest someone. Yeah. It's insane. Six years after finding Alan's body, the two filmmakers, Christian Bauer and Galen Emerzian, caught up with Linda in New Orleans, and she agreed to an on-camera interview. She seemed less spirited, perhaps due to the psychiatric meds she was on. She still claimed her ex-husband, Dennis, killed Alan. Later that year, their, filming missing, their film, Missing Alan, came out. Yeah. But then, a year later, in 2002, Linda died of liver failure. Mm. According to her family, she drank excessively to stop the voices in her head. How is she drinking in that psych ward? I guess she got let out? Yeah, she was only in there for a few months, and then she got let out, and then she was... Who knows what she was doing? She's bonkers. She was hitting the bars. Yeah. So, so who killed Alan then? So investigators were left with one other person besides Dennis who may know what happened. So police had also interviewed Julia Williams, the woman who was like hanging out with Linda Green this whole time. And she gave bizarre conflicting accounts that led away from Linda as a suspect. So shortly after Linda's death, she was interviewed again. And this time she admitted to helping... Uh, move Alan's body to the basement and cleaning up the crime scene. And she said that Dennis was the one who killed Alan, Linda's ex-husband. She was adamant about it. Interesting. So the Cheyenne police had considered Dennis and believed he knew more than he was telling. And Dennis had actually agreed to take a lie detector test, which he failed. But the testimony of the two witnesses saying that he was the killer both of whom investigators could place at the house on the day of the murder, he was never arrested. And after examining the evidence, uh, the police developed their own series of events. They said that Julia Williams was telling the truth about everything except the identity of the killer. What? So they charged Julia Williams as an accessory after the fact. And her trial began November 2004, nine years after the event. So... At the trial, the prosecutors say there are two possible motives for Linda being the killer. Uh, the first involved profits from book sales, which Linda claimed that Alan was stealing. And the second was that Alan had had enough of Linda's bullshit and he was planning to leave her and move back to Chicago. So maybe she was upset that Alan was threatening to leave her. Yeah, maybe. And the prosecution called to the stand Dennis and Linda Green's 18-year-old son, who was nine at the time of Alan's death. And he testified that his mom owned a nine millimeter gun. Oh. And that she once, that he once watched his mom use it to shoot the lock off of a gate. Oh my God, that's so intense. <laughs> and so it took the jury only an hour to return with a guilty verdict. And Julia was sentenced to serve at least 24 months in prison, but not that's more than it? 34 months. And she was ordered to pay... $2,500 fine and $3,500 in public defender fees. You can help bury a body and that's it? Yeah, that's it. And Dennis Green was never charged with anything and investigators have officially closed the case because Linda died. They didn't, they were like, no, Dennis didn't do it. Like they didn't even like investigate him, which is, seems crazy. Oh my God. So maybe the government was in, was in on it. Yeah. So the jail, the Samaritan cult house, remains abandoned that jail that they were at mm. but people claim there's a lot of paranormal activity at this prison i bet there was an episode of ghost adventures in 2017 and, and called samaritan cult house that's maria's favorite show 
It really is. I love it. They go to the jail, claim they hear voices. Yeah. Like the sounds of metal doors slamming. I don't know. It was either Linda or Dennis who killed him. I mean, I think it was probably both of them. I think Linda was probably boinking everyone in that in that cult. And then like one day, Ted was like, I want out. And then... Who's Ted? What's the name of the guy we just did this episode on? <laughs> Alan Ross. Tim Allen. Alan Ross. <laughs> Tim Allen. So I Googled... Dennis, because I'm like, oh, yeah. he's still alive. Uh, he is an evangelical inspirational speaker. He has oh a website. He's like living living the life. He lives in Kansas City. He, his website, he says that he's a survivor of five miracles. One, The first miracle, he survived a gun to his head in an Angolan war zone. The second miracle, he said he was riding a wheelie on a motorcycle through a pack of baboons. Oh, wrong. No. Why? Okay, keep going. The third miracle is that he was a witness in a murder trial, which is Alan Ross's murder trial. Yeah. Four is that he met the woman of his dreams 22 years after he saved her life. I don't know what that means. There's no, he doesn't expand on that. And then five, my 10-year-old daughter's errant cartwheel saved my life. This is on his website. I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't expand on any of this. This is on his website. What? Oh, my God. He claims he's like, yeah, I I started a church. I'm like, yeah, you started a cult. You were Linda Green's husband. That's crazy. But he has this whole, he's a Catholic speaker organization member. Like, he has kids. Oh, he had cancer, and then as part of his cancer recovery, he learned how to do stand-up comedy to appreciate the humor in daily well, life. Well, that's, that's oh, nice. No. Yeah. Oh, no. The stewardship system, how to increase generosity without fundraising. 30 years of research, research and case studies are packed into a 200-page book and one-hour speech. Ugh. Each point is illustrated with stories. The time he was face to face with a silverback gorilla, what? meeting the princess of the diamond mines, what is that? wilderness survival at negative 10 below zero, experiencing lightning on a mountaintop, alligator wrestling, no, being in the cave j- jail cell where St. Paul was imprisoned in Greece. What? Who is this guy? I, what? I mean, none of this can be real. And then... The house where Alan Ross was murdered is now a museum. What? They, it houses the DeSelms Fine Art and Custom Framing Company. They sell original artwork by local artists yeah. in this house. That is so creepy. I cannot get so over a weird. cartwheel saving this guy's life. <laughs> what? My daughter's cartwheel saved my life. Like, what does that even mean? Where was he that a cartwheel saved his life? He doesn't expand on any of this. He does just None a miracle. None of this makes sense. But also, I was reading that the cult, the, the Samaritan Foundation has ties to the Branch Davidians in Waco. Shut up. Yeah, I was thinking was that the whole the time. the same time. And that this cult may have been an inspiration for the Unabomber because it was based in Oklahoma. And it was around the time of the Unabomber. Wow, this is crazy. I love cults and I love spookiness. 
and I love cartwheels. <laughs> so this was right up my alley. And I love packs of baboons. So this was perfect for Doing me. a wheelie to get away from a pack of baboons. Why? Who among us have not? Why? Like what? This is crazy. Um, well, that's that. Uh, Melissa, if people if people want to reach us to tell us more creepy, weird stories like this, if you know more like cult stuff or weird, spooky stuff, uh, Melissa, where can people reach us? You can reach us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com or you can find us on the internet on Twitter or Instagram or Reddit or Facebook. Cool. Well, anyways, I'm Allie Baboon Cartwheels Seagull. I'm Melissa Alligator Wrestler Stetton. <laughs> and I'm Maria Lightning on a Mountain Blasucci. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <Cool>. Bye. <laughs>